0: Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode.
1: Welcome to The Lineup, Officer Magazine's roundup of this week's police and law enforcement news. I'm your host, Joe Vince, Assistant Editor for Officer Magazine. And with me today...
0: ...is the usual guy who's (laughs) always here. Retired Lieutenant Frank Morelli, enjoying... The weather as we finally start to cool off
1: oh you ain't kidding it it was downright uh chilly the last couple days here outside of chicago so mm. um we have got a full docket so we're gonna get cracking right away first story this is out of california um uh, body camera footage from a uh, la mesa police officer um the officer was approaching a man wanted on a felony warrant for burglary as he came up to the suspect who was getting into his vehicle the suspect pulled a gun and began trying to fire however the gun jammed and you see in this instant just you know just how quickly an officer needs to react the officer was able to as the the suspect began fleeing on foot the op- officer was able to uh, shoot um the suspect and take him down. um but you see in the body camera footage just as he's coming up to um the suspect where he just pulls out the gun, he, I believe there's a um uh, the the vehicle door kind of blocks um the officer a bit, but if it wasn't for the gun jamming,
0: you know it, and these kinds of incidents. Don't always make the news. They happen all the time. They're, they're those, the, the things we go there, but for the grace of God, you know, I, I don't know how many times I look back, um, I could describe for you an incident. We pulled up on a suspect in the school parking lot. It was late at night, me and my partner there, and the guy had his hands in his pockets. It's a cold winter evening, and um, the 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 click that we heard as he was moving his hands inside his pockets was him trying to point the gun at my partner and pull the trigger and the hammer of the gun got, got caught up in the fur lining of the pocket. So the weapon didn't fire. Um, you know, too many close calls for comfort. And, and with the release of the body cam video, people can really appreciate uh, the compressed time frames These things happen in and how the officers have to react.
1: Moving on to our next story and it it, in the same vein of you never know what to expect from a suspect um, in the in these situations. This is out of Las Vegas Um, again body camera footage captured a Las Vegas police officer who was responding to a domestic disturbance call uh, between a a brother and a sister, I believe, and um, Approaching, he had one uh, one of the suspects, a woman um, sitting on a couch, and as he's talking with her, she gets up calmly, but then lunges at the officer and slashes and stabs him in the head. And you see in the body camera too. Um, he's bleeding, uh, from the head, from, uh, this attack, um, his partner was able to, um, shoot, fatally shoot, uh, the woman to stop her. But again, um, just out of just like a split second, this all happens. And luckily the officer, um, wasn't, uh, wasn't injured more severely or, or even killed in, in this incident. I
0: I can't tell where she got the knife though, Joe. And I watched the video.
1: I, and it's like it's hiding either in the couch cushions or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, may, it just may have been sitting next to her
0: and covered by her bulk. And I don't mean to be rude. Yes, this is a woman, but I wouldn't want to meet her in a dark alley. I, I want backup. She she's um, not. I particular. think she was
1: even taller than the the officer it was. It's hard to tell within the body camera.
0: But the at the end of at the end of the day, and we said this about so many different. Domestic situations, you know, so why? Why when officers go on domestics, you you always keep everybody out of the kitchen because there's always weapons in the kitchen.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
0: you know, this woman sitting on a sofa, it's a sectional sofa. She could have a knife, she could have a gun, she could have anything stuck down in those cushions, and bring it with her when she stands up. Um, you know, thank God the officer wasn't hurt beyond whatever kind of laceration he got to his head. And head wounds do bleed terribly. Oh yeah. Um, you know, we're all thankful for a hard headed among us. <laughs> But and I say that I'm a guy who ha- I get shot in the back of the head with a 45 Ugh. and it bounced off. So when I say hard headed, it's not an insult. Uh, thank God for the hard headed among us. But, um, you know, again, you're right. The the, the body cam footage. It, I wish we could find a way and we serve the law enforcement community. I wish we could get more of the general public to see videos like this and the one we were just talking about where the, the, you know, the only reason the officer didn't get shot was the suspect's gun jam and realize just how close and how often officers come to dying in the line of duty uh, just because people have no respect for the police or they don't want to get caught and go to jail. They, you know, they don't want to be cooperative. Whatever the reason may be, how many times the officers come so close to making that ultimate sacrifice. I, it may not have an impact on society in general, but I would like to think that people would have to sit back and go, well, wait a minute. Maybe they're not as bad as as legacy media makes them out to be. Or maybe they have a reason for being paranoid. People are trying to kill them.
1: Yeah. I, both these videos show just uh, what look like um, benign encounters. Um, with, start. Yeah. And and um, on a dime turn to something violent and um uh, possibly tragic for for the officers involved. Uh, Moving on to our next story, Uh, this is out of Minnesota, uh, and we have another case of a city facing the possible loss of its police department. In this case, it's Motley, where it had two officers, a chief and a full-time officer. Um, The full-time officer had been hired away a few months earlier by um, the Morrison County Sheriff's Office, and then this week, the police chief turned in his resignation, Um, effective uh the end of next month um which now puts the uh police department in um the situation of either finding an interim chief or um putting the the law enforcement coverage on the backs of the sheriff's department until they figure this out um and i believe the mayor had said um they didn't think that in between now and the time the um The chief will retire, that they will be able to find an interim chief um, and that it will probably take um, some time for them to actually, you know, get back to to the full department.
0: Well, you know, a couple of observations here. Number one, there's no way they're going to find an interim chief with any kind of proper advertising, uh, taking the applicants, doing proper background investigations. They got three weeks, 22 days. It's not going to happen. Um, number one number two you know th- this is just another sign of or an- another symptom another another example of how we're so hurting for for law enforcement officers in this country today that the little agencies are just disappearing by attrition as the officers go away get hired by bigger agencies um, you know th- this town's only got 680 people in it if your population 680 people and and the general standard for law enforcement ratio cops to people to citizens is 1 per 1000 they should they don't even they need one full time guy um but they had two they're well ahead of the game now the challenge they're going to have is if they're going to meet the pay of people around them they're competing with they might only be able to afford one and he'll work whatever he'll work and then he'll be on call kind of the rest of the time and then he's going to be supported by the, the surrounding county sheriff's office anyway but I, you know we had this conversation before when these mm-hmm. agencies shut down then it falls on the county and the state to answer the call so that the work's not going away it's just being offloaded onto another agency
1: right um on to our next story which actually will stay in minnesota um uh rochester police department uh has announced they weren't going to they aren't going to be pulling officers from schools um this has been happening in the state uh, largely because of a new state law that puts on um, different restrictions or puts on new restrictions for officers when it comes to restraining students. Um, except in cases uh, that involve imminent uh, bodily harm or threat, um, officers are not allowed to restrain students the same way they might um, be able to restrain uh, other suspects. Um, this legislation has caused other police departments to reevaluate uh, their school uh, resource officer programs and def- basically how they might provide security and protection for schools. Um, you know it's it's it, i get I'm gonna use a i get, call it just being in a in a tight pickle for uh, departments in the state on on what to do in this case is basically waiting for something bad to happen in order to effectively control the situation
0: well and yeah actually it's not really that bad for the departments it's bad for the schools because at the end of the day picture this you're the you're the school resource officer and you get called for a disorderly student in a classroom and you go to the classroom and the student is destroying property outside room he's throwing he's throwing chairs out of windows He's he's taking a chair and he's beating it on on the the smart board or blackboard or whatever the schools have in there that they're working on whiteboards. He's not threatening anybody in the classroom. He's not creating any threat to health or welfare. He's just destroying property. And this law says you can't restrain him. So what do you do? Evacuate the room and let him destroy the room. I would think the schools would have a bigger problem with this even than the bigger than the police departments do. Um, because at that point, SRO's got to go, hey, sorry, I'm not allowed to do anything. And the, what's the teacher going to do? I mean, the, the, right. the legislators there in Minnesota have created a situation where the students are now empowered to commit vandalism, destruction of private property, defacing public property, all this stuff. And and the police officers, the SRO's there can't do anything about it. Um. Guy, the child in me is thinking. Imagine the food fights you can have and not get in trouble from the SRO. But it's it's a shame to see stuff like this. It'll turn around when they get enough public com- complaints and enough public pressure, enough enough people at the schools uh, complain and, and all that. All you know, then all of a sudden, the legislature will change its mind and police officers will be allowed to restrain students when it's necessary. And that's what this is all about. You know, we uh-huh. they say they, they create laws protecting students, forgetting that some of these students are 18 years old, six foot four, and three hundred pounds. And they're they're students, they're children, and we have to protect them. And and they make these goofy butt laws. That they anyway, it'll change. We'll see. I I bet it turns around.
1: On to our next story, uh, let's go to Denver. Um, this is a story that uh, came out this week uh, about uh, the police department there in Denver, Denver having quietly phased out uh, the use of no-knock warrants. They, um, it, it began in, in 2020 and was formalized the following year. Um, the only, ex- they do have, it, do have exceptions uh, in extreme cases. Um, where this can be used, um, but it, it it is a response to, you know, other cases of uh, no-knock warrants and other departments um, uh, doing away with them or reevaluating their use.
0: I, I love how things are worded in articles. Uh, you know, then the Chief Paul Pazin informally changed the Denver Police Department's policy to disallow no-knock warrants in narcotics cases. So he prohibited them. I mean, that's what disallow means, right? He, he took away uh-huh. the permission for it. He removed his tool from the toolbox. Um, you know, they haven't served one in three years. Uh, you know, to get a no-knock warrant, you have to justify the need to a, to a, a judge already, anyway, and then the judge signs off on it or not. Um, you know, knock and announce warrants are are very different. And they can create a lot of risk that's unnecessary as compared to no-knock warrants. Now, everybody freaked out in 2020, um, you know, because a no-knock warrant, a no-knock raid went to the wrong house, and Brianna Taylor uh, died during that, was killed during that no-knock raid. But at the end of the day, a knock and announce warrant at the wrong house is going to end up the same way. We got a warrant. Here's the target address. We're going into this house. We're not going to announce. We're still going in. We're you know now all we've done is give you warnings so you can shoot at us if you want, or you can have time to get away if you want. Um, I'm not a favorist. I think no-knock warrants work great. I think uh, the training has been going on for decades now, and and the and the the dynamics and and the protocols are are as solid as they can be. You have the judicial review before you get a no-knock warrant. Uh, at the end of the day, people have to remember none of us are perfect. And if a detective or a confidential informant or somebody else gives up a wrong address, writes down a wrong, wrong address, puts the wrong, it's only got to be off one digit. They forget a number. They put the wrong number. They misspell the street. And, and and it's, you know, it's the difference between a two, two words, Palo Alto, two words, or Palo Alto, one word. And you're hitting the wrong house. Mistakes happen. This to me is going to put some, some of these, uh, some of these special operators, their SWAT cops, in, uh, in at unnecessary risk. But just my opinion.
1: Well, and you've seen in the last, uh, just this past month, how many uh, officers have been shot, wounded, killed in some cases, um, serving arrest warrants, um, going to a house. And as they knock on the door, um, the suspect inside just opens fire through the door Um and it it is something that um, yeah, departments um, need to need to think about before maybe uh, doing an across-the-board uh, prohibition of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and of course they have this across-the-board prohibition, which the, but then they say allowing them in exceptional circumstances. So it's not really 100% prohibition. It's just close enough they haven't done one in three years. Right. This sounds like a lawyer in court. Sorry.
1: <laughs> On to our next story. This is out of Pennsylvania um, where the uh, state now is not uh, – no longer requiring um, state trooper cadets to have college credits. Again, this is uh, a trend across the country as a way to um, why create – enlarge in the pool I, – I just made that word up <laughs> – Increase the the uh, hiring pool for uh, officers, given the um, uh, staff shortages that uh, police departments and other law enforcement agencies are encountering um, right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you think about it and I've I've been fighting this forever or at least speaking out against it, you know, a, a lot of agencies about 20 years ago, they started putting in college requirements. And I know one young man who firmly believes that every police officer should have a four-year degree in constitutional law, and he doesn't understand that if that happened, you never hire these cops for less than $120,000 a year. Um, I mean, why would I go and fight criminals if I had a four-year degree in constitutional law? I get that the police officers need to know and understand the law. Uh, That said, that doesn't necessarily mean they got to have a college degree in the law or a college degree in anything else. Um, Some agencies would waive the college requirement for an equal amount of time of military service. And and I think that people who have served in the military and understand conflict and understand chain of command and understand discipline and understand everything that goes into sacrifice and service are probably more qualified to be a police officer than somebody who's never ever done anything except go to school and go to college. Yeah, hands down. I, I say the military veterans more qualified, but agencies have had these uh, these requirements and now they're removing them because the the applicant pool is not big enough. Uh, so they're they're removing those college requirements to enlarge, like you said, you know, enlarging their yeah. uh, their applicant pool and they're, they're they don't have a choice. They're trying to keep up their manpower. And if I'm not wrong, you know, this this article talks about Pennsylvania State Police and their uh Legisl- legislatively capped manpower, their strength, is 4,700 and change, and they're looking at losing 800 officers to retirement. That's 16% of the agency, out the door. Um, they they got to try to find a way to replace them, and they're only looking at 384 new troopers in the next year to, year and a half. So they're going to be down almost 10% of their strength, even with this change. They got to do something different. I hope this spreads nationwide. Obviously, education is a good thing. Having it as a requirement um, and not waivable in any way is just goofy. It's just hurting our manpower and has been for two decades.
1: I'm Talking um, with a a chief for an upcoming story for the magazine, shameless plug there, um, that I'm doing – one of the things that he was talking about was getting rid of these sort of um, check mark requirements that might be outdated, you know, no tattoos or things like that. And uh, the, looking at the candidate, looking at the intangibles, looking at at certain things, the things you can't teach them as opposed to the things you can. And uh, their department the, the the chief's department um invests in their their officers by um education incentives once they're on the force um things like that a- a- and then in you know in service um uh classes and thing on constitutional law um training them as they go um so if they don't come the come to the agency with those types of requirements they can get it because they've got the they they have the other things the material that's going to make them a good officer they, you know, they need some of the other things and it, it's really, can they, can they pass the Academy and are they a fit with our department?
0: Well, and the fit matters, but I, you know, I would, I would remind people of this. Um, we, we hire a lot of people in law enforcement today who have never played a contact sport, never, ever been in a physical conflict. We look for the straight A students that have never been caught drinking in high school, that have never been suspended that have, you know they've never they've never snuck out after dark they're the perfect little angel and then we expect these perfect little angels to learn how to be warriors and fight violent people in the handcuffs and that's not usually how it works we we had uh one young lady in the academy class i was teaching back in the early 90s about 94 ish and uh you know, we were doing stop and approach scenarios and she told this guy he was under arrest and he said, F you. And she turned around and looked at me. I'm the instructor. And I said, now what? You have to arrest him. Fight him in the handcuffs. Subdue him. And she pulled out her little whiffle ball baton and she swung it like it was a fly swatter. It was funny but sad at the same time. And and she's she's hitting this guy. And it was all wrist. I mean, she was no no arm swing, no shoulder, no hips, no body weight. No, just these little wrist flick taps with this wiffle bat baton going, sir, you're under arrest. Put your hands on the car. Put your hands on the car. And he looked at me and he laughed and he took this thing from her and threw it over his shoulder. He's like, sweetheart, if you're going to fight me and the cops, you better get it on. And she had no clue what to do because she had never, ever been in a conflict. Cops have to fight. Sometimes... That's not pretty. You know, I mean, you got to be willing to do it. And a college degree doesn't qualify you to fight a crackhead. Just saying.
1: Moving on to our final story, this is out of Nebraska. Um, It's a, it's a traffic stop. You, you don't usually see Um, Norfolk police were receiving reports of a car traveling with a cow in it. And, um, when the department started getting these calls, they just thought, "Oh, someone has a calf that's that's either in the back seat or or the passenger seat." However, uh, when they actually caught up with the car on the the road, uh, there was a massive bull sitting in the passenger seat. And the one thing the video can't capture, however, is probably the smell of this car. Um, <laughs> I, I that bull, I. I I swear his horns look as, as big as someone's head, the circumference on them. I mean,
0: that one horn is, is big enough to go from a pillar to two thirds of the way across to the other a pillar. And, and I'm going to use the term Bravo Sierra. Anybody who (laughs) understands phonetic alphabet understands Bravo Sierra (laughs) means BS. And we all know what BS stands for. This bull is sitting in this car, standing in this car. He is freaking huge got to be a 1200 1500 pound animal the car's listing it's leaning (laughs) there's a set of horns on the hood of the car by the way as well as on this bull and i'm thinking the uh the the bravo sierra that might be in the back of this car has got to make it unpleasant to drive down the road but interestingly this is a decommissioned law enforcement patrol vehicle you can see the spotlight on the a pillar on the driver's side and the leftover markings on the one side of the car uh, even though there's a loading gate for the bull <laughs> points to the guy for credit for, for creativity, but Holy crap. You talk about a car full of Bravo Sierra going down the road.
1: Yeah, no. And, and the uh, driver was just given warnings. Um, hopefully he got to his destination um, safely. And and the bull did as well. I just, again, can't imagine driving in a car with with that kind of passenger
0: i can't imagine and thank god it didn't happen that this car has an accident
1: <laughs> oh gosh
0: and you've got to deal with the, the carcass or the damage it did can you imagine this guy rear-ending somebody and that bowl going out the car and landing on the car in front of him
1: oh my god yeah
0: anyway watch the video so for everybody listening this is really cool i'm going to give you a shortcut tip and then we're going to wrap this segment up when you go to our website, officer.com, and you look up in your, your uh, URL address bar where, where you have your, the I don't even know what URL stands for, but the, the website listing, all the information, right? HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash officer.com forward slash. Somewhere in there, there's an eight-digit number. And if you just type in officer.com forward slash in that eight-digit number, it will take you to that piece of content. So here's what I want you to do. Go to officer.com forward slash 53070998 to watch this car full of Bravo Sierra take the ride of its life.
1: That is all for this week. Thank you very much for uh, tuning in and listening. Uh, we hope uh, you enjoy your Labor Day weekend, um, that you stay safe and um, hopefully have some time off.
0: Yeah. And if you don't have time off, and you got to work, stay safe on the streets. Watch out for all the people out there partying a little too hard over the long yes. weekend.
1: That's it from us. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Lineup. Please remember... The opinions voiced are not those of Officer Media Group or Endeavor Business Media, but only those speaking those opinions themselves. Thank you and stay safe.